Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you by visiting our website at freedomlifeag.com. Welcome to Freedom. As we think about how big God is, it's very difficult to find a word that will encompass everything that God is. When you look at the bigness and the, um, the, awe, the awesome power of God, it's very difficult to match a word except the word for this morning's purposes, matchless. Matchless is defined as having no equal. And if we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with how big we see the God to be according to the scriptures, we realize that no greater word can be found to accurately and appropriately express God's mighty power. Matchless is the idea that I want to present to you this morning. The idea that God is matchless is very, um, very truthful and very upfront. And the idea that we uh, read through scripture how men and women have approached God and we see through scripture through the uh, through the lens of all the writers of scripture how big God is and how truly awesome he is and how matchless he is the bible's portrayal of the love of Christ and the love of God is also matchless it shows us that there is no one equal it shows us that no man can love the way God loves no one can do what God does And I think most of us that truly serve God realize that no man can be an equal to God. See, we could examine God's love and we could look at the standpoint of the effects of His love. Many of you are sitting here today because you've been affected by His love. You've been affected by His grace. You've been affected by His power. And because of that matchless power, you sit here redeemed today. You sit here as a person that has figured out that life is a lot bigger than you. And if you don't reach for what is out there, you could get lost. Many of us have been lost. Most of us in this room at one point or another realized there is no God out there. And then we say, oh wait, um, it's because I haven't opened my eyes wide enough to see. Some of us think there is no God because we've been too busy focusing on our problem. And someone once said, and I tried to find who, who, who originally wrote this or said this, and I could not find one because many, uh, many people took authorship to this. But the idea is I'm not going to tell my God how big my problem is. Instead, I'm going to tell my problem how big my God is. I think it's a shift in perspective on how we see God in America too today. We, we can look at our economy we could look at our political figures, and we could look at our local government, federal government, you name it, and we can see a lot of flaws. We see a lot of flaws. But fundamentally, I think we are flawed as a nation because we've so focused on the problems that we forgot about the solution. And we rip everything that has to do with God off of everything we want to, and then we say, where is God? Well, God is where you put him. You took him, you took him off of everything. And so then we wonder where God is. 
But I want to tell you, I want to put him back on the pedestal right now and say he is matchless and no one can reach him. He is unlike anyone else. He is unlike anything else. He is unlike any power source. He is unlike anything, any job, any material I could buy, any, any bank account. He's larger than all those things and more. And as we look at the scriptures, we are provoked to understand that God is bigger than life. God is bigger than the things that we focus on. And devotion and praise and sacrifice to Him is worthwhile. Because He is indeed matchless. We look at Nehemiah for a few moments here this morning. For those of you uh, that um, are looking and you're looking at taking notes. Today's message isn't simply entitled matchless. Because He has no equal. He has no equal. Nehemiah was a man who saw problems and instead of pointing them out, how many ever met somebody that decided they want to point out all the problems instead of being part of the solution? Don't point at your neighbor or your spouse. I'm just saying. How many ever known somebody like that, right? You knew somebody that wanted to point out all the flaws, all the issues, but they never, never become part of the solution. Can I challenge you today that God is matchless? And if you lean on him, he will help you see solutions all around you. And friend, Nehemiah was someone who saw some problems. He saw some things go down. And he, in fact, he went back to repair the walls of his forefathers. And that had been destroyed for well over a hundred years. And he was trying to establish walls where there was no wall. He wasn't just trying to patch up a broken wall. All the walls were were down, destroyed. They were rubble. And he was going back to this place to establish God again. And in fact, he started by building. Started by building. He said, I need to build the identity of my people before I can tell them about God. So he started to rebuild. And it was in this building process that we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 31 and following. For those of you that uh, want to turn there to Nehemiah, you can turn to, just open up the book uh, into the Psalms and hang left about a couple of books. Sharp left at Psalms and you find yourself at the book of Nehemiah chapter 9. If you don't know, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. His job was to test the king's drink and food before he ate it. Just to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So how many know that's a rough job? How many are thankful for your job now, right? <laughs> Other than testing deodorant. I think that is a very crummy job right there. You know what I'm saying? Like you're supposed to test the king's food. Make sure it's not poisoned. Well, in fact, most people wouldn't poison the food because of that. And so he became a safety net. Plus you get to taste good food. Which is not a problem for me. But we look at Nehemiah. This is a job he had. He had this job that was in the, it was in the king's. He had the king's ear. And instead he left that job to restore. And here's what happened. When he, I'm not going into the story of Nehemiah. I'm just going into one part of it. Where he says something that blew my mind as I was reading this. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 31 and 32. For those of you that don't have it. It's up on your screen. It says, but in your great mercy. You did not put an end to them or abandon them for you are gracious and merciful. Talking about those who rebelled against God. Verse 32 says this. Now therefore our God the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let this hardship 
seem trifling in your eyes. In other words, he's saying to them, you know your struggle. I see your struggle. Understand something. Don't let that deter you from knowing how big God is. Can somebody say amen? You follow what I'm saying? Don't let the trouble, and he says this, do not let all this hardship, right? Don't let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The fact is, you are going through stuff. We're not going to lie. We're not going to lie. You're going through some stuff. But when you go through it, realize that sometimes this is going to make you every bit stronger to face the next thing. Don't, don't get it twisted. God knows exactly what you're going through. And he has not left you or forsaken you. So we look at God's matchless power. And in your life, let me ask you this question. What makes God matchless? If he's not matchless, then what compares to him? Because there's a good chance that that right there could be an idol. Anything that matches God in your eyes is an idol. And we, most of us, don't have giant gold statues in our home. Many of us don't, right? But we say, I don't do, I, I don't commit idolatry. I don't bow down to these other gods. You don't have to. But if you live for the mighty paycheck as the, as the author and finisher of your faith, if you look to a, a relationship to be the reason why you breathe, if you look toward a job as to the only reason why you're still alive, friend, these things are idols. And so while we may not bow down and, and say something over and over again, like some ritualistic idea or some sort of worship, we still are idolizing some things, aren't we? So allow me for a moment to bring four things to the table. I'm talking about God's matchless power. First one is simply this, God's matchless patient power. How many know he's been patient with you? Some of you are like, I got more amens on that one than anything else. Hello. He's been patient with me, Pastor. You know my situation. He's been real patient with me. You know, I, I think all of us, in some way or another, God has been super patient with us. But I would probably say that he's been more patient with you than you've been with your neighbor. Come on, somebody. That traffic you got stuck in? On the way somewhere, maybe there was something on the radio you needed to hear. But you went ballistic on the person in front of you. Get out of the way! And you told him, you go to church. Don't tell him you go to this church, please. Just... <laughs> Pick a church at random, not this one. I think... We want patience and we want it now. It's pretty accurate. I think most of us look at our situation and go, man, I, one thing I lack, man, is patience. I just lack patience. But in some instances, the greatness of God's power is displayed not in what he did, but what he didn't do when he could have. Did you ever notice that? The display of God's power isn't just in what he does, but what he could have done, but he chose not to. How awesome is that? Like God could have... God could have struck you down. I've, I said this a few weeks ago, and it's uh, worth repeating for a moment. Some people say, you know what, Pastor Tony, I don't know if I should go to church. Because if I walked into your church, it might strike the whole place down. 
I've sinned so bad, Pastor. I'm like, if you're worried about that, this place would have been torn down a long time ago. You don't know all the people God has redeemed. Hello? Y'all don't know my, you know my glory, but you don't know my story. Come on. <laughs> I've been through some stuff, right? And see, everyone's got a story in this room, right? But God's patient power has been there for you through thick and through thin. I look at the forbearance of God. That's another way of saying the patient, self-control, restraint, God, right? God has shown restraint. I'm, I'm looking at not just what he did to show his power, but man, he could have done this, but he didn't. So his patient power is amazing. Because I tell you what, I come from my Latin background, my Hispanic background. We're just not a patient people sometimes. I remember times I, I, I remember growing up, my grandmother, she'd be like, I told you three seconds ago, do this. Like, I'm just interpreting what you said, Wella. I just got it. She'd tell me in Spanish and she'd tell me in English and she'd tell me in other languages. I realized, take a breath. Relax. And I realized that, man, we're all like that. We're, we ask people for patience until people deal with us. And so in other words, ask, let me say it like this. We, we ask God to be patient with us. We ask everyone else to be patient with, you know, with us. And then we, we ourselves have trouble being patient with other people. We're all about patience when it's about us. But when it's other people, not so much. I want it now. And so God says, I've been patient with you. And that's an expression of his power because I realize that my mess with God's patience will turn into a message. That my test with God's patience will turn into a testimony. That my trial with God's patience will turn into my triumph. That my trial with God's patience bring me into triumph. You know, and, and my victim into victim. Uh, my victim mentality, excuse me, my victim uh, mindset will walk me into victory with God's patience. Does that make sense? Concerning all the patience of God, we find ourselves looking at Nehemiah as one of those people that said, God is big, don't look at your circumstance. But also the psalmist said a few things as well. Psalm chapter, um, chapter 103, 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Now let me ask you this question. Which day of the week are you more loving and kind? Is it Monday? How many? Raise your hand if you're more loving and kind on Monday. Wow. Nothing. Y'all like Monday is not of God. Wednesday? Are you more loving and kind on Wednesday? How many show of hands? How many? Alright. That's a few of you. Alright. That's youth night. So past, I hope Pastor Josh is happy about that. Friday. How many excited about Friday? You get excited about Friday? Good. I got a good number of hands there. It gives me a little bit of hope. How many of you have loving kindness on Sunday? And you're like, Sunday and Sunday only, Pastor. God is working on me. <laughs> some, some of you are honest. Like, yep, that's me. 
I'm not going to lie. That loving kindness doesn't flow throughout the whole week. It just kind of flows on Sunday. But I realize that his loving kindness has been bestowed upon us. Listen, listen to this. I love what Theodore Kyler once said. He said this. You may not know who he is, but he said this. God sometimes washes the eyes of his children with the tears that they may have, so that they may read his providence and his commands. Sometimes he will wipe your tears just so you can see his faithfulness. Just so you can see. He wipes your tears so that you can see his hand in things. I don't know that we always see his hand, do we? I think most of us will kind of say, you know, I've seen God's hand, you know, through the good things. But it's difficult for us to see God in the bad things that happen. And I understand that. I've been there. So we look at God's patient power. Everybody say patient. You see God's patient power. The second thing we see is God's matchless forgiving power. Scripture tells us that through grace we have been saved through faith. And it's God's forgiveness that's, that's not... Listen, God's forgiveness is not limited to partiality. Let me say it like this. God's forgiveness is not fractional. It's complete. It's completely for you. Completely for you. Completely for you. He doesn't take his forgiveness and divide it. He gives you wholeness. He gives you completion. He gives you hope. And so what I wanted to reassure you with today is that you don't have a piece of peace. You don't have a piece of a miracle. You don't have a partial forgiveness. You have full forgiveness accessible to you today. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not fractional. He doesn't Uh, He doesn't partially forgive you. He either forgives you or he doesn't. And the question is not whether he wants to forgive. The question is, do you want to be forgiven? Because I think the, the forgiveness element here is often broken down by how much are you willing to repent of? Not so much what is he willing to forgive. Got really quiet. I think the question is not how much is he willing to forgive. It's how much are you willing to ask for forgiveness for. And God is willing to forgive. His forgiving power is is unbelievable. And so we look at uh, someone by the name of Fulton Sheen. He said this. God does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because he loves us. We are valuable because he loves us. And so... We come to a place in our lives where we have to realize that it's God's matchless, forgiving power. We're very, very, very dicey when it comes to forgiveness sometimes, right? It depends. Does that I, I'll forgive that person if they feel, if I feel like they meant it. But, but that, would, that would mean that forgiveness is about, is about how they feel, not so much how you are set free. So forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness doesn't make what they did right. It sets you free. And so when we start realizing that it's not determined upon what we accept as them saying, oh, that seems legit. That seems forgiving. God says, listen, no, I forgave you when you said forgive me. When you put your trust in me, I forgave you. And so... We put ourselves in a, in a predicament when we 
put stipulations on their forgiveness. Many of us are deceived into thinking that somehow we can handle things ourselves. However, we quickly find out that His loving faithfulness helps us to accomplish His will in our lives. It's God's forgiveness that helps us get through. Man, I tell you what, through His grace and through His forgiveness, I realize He is matchless, my friend. He is matchless. Nobody has forgiven us like He has. No one has allowed this generation to be uh, accessed, uh, excuse me, allowed this generation to have access to God the way He has through His Son. No one. He's matchless. And so we are well equipped to handle what's in front of us. Can I tell you that today? You are well equipped to handle what's in front of you because of His matchless power. Because of His matchless power. Watch this. As far as the east is from the west, the psalmist said this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed your transgressions from you. Or transgressions from us. Isn't that good? Isaiah said this, Come now. Let us reason together that though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they are red like the crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1 verse 18. That's God's forgiving power. Matchless. No one forgives like God. Number three. God's matchless forgetting power. This is where it gets real good, guys. Are you ready? God's matchless forgetting power. We can forgive and we can't even do that well. But many of us in this room have a hard time forgetting what Sally did to us when we were in third grade. Right? I remember, I remember Jeff kicked my chair in third grade. That Jeff, he was such a troublemaker. We can forgive Jeff years later, but we're still talking about Jeff. 40, 50 years, still talking about Jeff. Kick my chair. That Jeffrey was always a handful. Some of y'all are like, I don't have Jeffrey in my class. But you do remember something. By show of hands, how many remember something someone did to you in junior high? Right now, you can remember it. You can remember it. Be honest. While, look across the room. That is, that is very Pentecostal. Look across the room for a moment. Right? Y'all remember somebody did something to you in middle school. Y'all don't remember a single thing you learned in class, but you remember what that person did to your chair. Right? You remember that. You're like, I will never forget it. And if I see him again, bring it to me one more again. It's on. <laughs> right? Listen, I grew up in New York City. A lot of stuff happened that I can't forget. The Bronx is in me. I can't release it. God's forgetting powers is amazing because he says, not only do I forgive you, I forget. And so we come to God, right? And we come to God at the altar and we say, God, remember that I struggle with this. God says, no, I don't remember. Why? We often say, God, remember, I struggle with that. And God says, no, I don't remember that. You asked me for forgiveness for that last week. I don't know what you're talking about. Follow me for a moment. Are you with me? 
We go to God and we say, God, remember this. And God says, no, I don't remember that. And here's another way that some of us phrase it. Well, you know that that's just me. You know that's just the way I am. Right? That You know that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's because that old dog wants to stay an old dog. Hello? I'm telling you right now, it's not so much what, you're, what you can't change, it's what you're not willing to change. And what happens is people come week after week to the altar, they come week after week, and they use that as a, as a, as a crutch to say, God, I don't want to deal with this sin, you know who I am, you know how I am. No, you're not that. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. You're not that thing. You're not that thing. Stop using that as a way for you to say, this is just who I am. You know what that you're basically saying? This is how I don't want to change. Let me tell you how I don't want to change. I know I'm going to step on toes, but I'm, I'm, I'm coming to bring you truth. And here it is, plain and simple right here. For you to say, that's just the way I am, means I don't want to change and don't try to. How about saying, I am this way sometimes, but I'm willing to change. God, I am, I have, a, I have a bent toward this, God, but bend me back. Bend me back. Straighten me out. I need your forgetting power to help me not to just be forgiven, but I too want to move on from this part of my life. Stop using this is how I am as a crutch for you to continue sinning the way you are. God is matchless in his forgiving. God is matchless in his forgetting. But there will come a point in time where you have to give an account for your sin. If you continue that same road. Pastor Tony, that's aggressive. No, no. That's God being the holy God he is and us being responsible. Nobody wants to be responsible for their sin anymore. They want to blame this, that, and the other. They want to blame everybody else for their sin. Everybody's offended about everything anymore. You can't say anything anymore. Everybody wants to get offended. I'm offended about being offended. How about that? Just saying. The way I am. <laughs> Pastor, you said it. No. If you start saying to yourself, God, as a child of God, I have the ability to forgive, and now you forgive me. I have the ability to move forward, so help me let somebody else move forward. Notice Isaiah here in Isaiah 43. It said this. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. Did you know that God isn't, wipe, God isn't always about wiping out your sin um, just so that you can feel better about yourself? That God is not just wanting to deal with your comfort level. That God actually wants you to be able to, to say, God, I, I, I need your forgiveness because I need to restore the glory that you deserve. You know, God didn't save you just so that you could be saved. He saved you to restore you to himself. 
In my case, my memory is gigantic. I, I, I remember a lot of things sometimes. Things I shouldn't remember. And so, I'm very easily stirred toward God. Remember that this is kind of how I struggle. And this is kind of how I think. And this is kind Let's stop that today. Let's stop going to God telling him what we've messed up in over and over again. It's just deal with it today. Conquer it today. And stop using the excuse. Jeremiah said this. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That's a great promise. How many know that's a great promise? That's a great promise. That's the God we serve. That's the matchless God I'm talking about. That's the God that gets you up in the morning, willing to honor Him with your life every day. My God still speaks. My God still heals. My God still comforts. My God still provides. My God still creates. My God still restores. My God still redeems. And He says, I am that I am, not I was. Not I was. He says, I am. Present tense, present company included. I am that I am. God and his matchless forgetting power is beyond anything I can imagine. Last but not least, God's matchless reaching power. Reaching power. I love this verse. You know, I discovered this verse uh, as I was preparing for this message in a way that I never have before. How many have ever read the scriptures and then you read it, you read this verse a bunch of times and then one day you read it, you're like, wow. Right? Well, that's what happened with Isaiah here in this verse. And I want to read it. I want you to help me out with this media team. Uh, Point four, we're talking about God's reaching power, right? And we're talking about his reaching power. Look at this verse in Isaiah 43. Excuse me, Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. I don't know about you, but there are times I needed God's extension to pull me out of my situation. I needed God to extend into my circumstance to pull me out because I've been in some muddy situations that I needed his hand to pull me out. See, a lot of people look at Christians and they say, well, first of all, there's there's different approaches. And we think, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Okay, fine. I heard that a hundred times and it doesn't make sense to me. Um, It just doesn't. The other opportunity is, you know, I want to go to church uh, because in some way I can identify with all the sinners. And I'm not sure that that is totally right either. But I think somewhere in the middle, there has to be a meeting place where we say, I want to get with believers because I can identify with some of the things they're going through. And I need to rejuvenate my soul. My spirit needs jumped again. I need that. And I need to worship God. And I tell you what, can, I, can you look at me for a moment? Everybody look at me. I want you to understand something. That even those that are streaming online right now, you, you know, whatever. There's something about being among the body that is unlike anything else. I, I talked to my wife this week and she's like, you know, I was tuning in online. And she goes, it's just not the same. And we offer that as an opportunity for people that 
can't make it or people that are distant, you know, and they, they can't get to church or they may know us or whatever. And it's a great ministry, but nothing substitutes being here. And don't ever allow that to be a substitute. Can I trust you with that and understand that that's the way I feel? Because I've, I've thought many a times, do we just cut this? Do we just cut going online? Do we just cut it all together so that people won't have that, you know, that crutch to lean on in a way that, you know, I don't have to go to church. No, you need the body. Because you need somebody to help you. And you know how God extends to you? Sometimes you use it through somebody else. Sometimes he'll reach through somebody else's life and talk to you in a way that I did not this morning. Speak to you in a way that I could not this morning. Or I'm not, I don't have the grace to do so. God gives somebody a word for you. And that only happens in a fellowship like this. A physical fellowship of the body. So if you think that somehow TV, church going is, is good enough, uh, can, I just, can I just challenge you with that? That it's not the same? Something about being in the room with some people that believe like me, want to love and chase God like me, that want to go on fire like me. And maybe I'm not there yet, but maybe I just want to watch them burn and then that will catch me on fire. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's God that uses his, this hand. You know, you're an extension of the grace of God. And he says, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God is all about reaching you right where you're at. But it's not just about you. Because Hebrews tells us this. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us that where, wherefore he is able also to save you, save to the uttermost from the guttermost. Okay, that's not, that's a, that's the that's urban translation. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Listen, the Holy Spirit prays that you would get with the Son. The Holy Spirit prays that you would understand who the Father is. And Jude tells us a fantastic verse. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. What does that mean? He is matchless, my friend. He is matchless. No God can do what our God does. No God can love, forgive, forget, and reach the way our God does. Because far beyond the reach of man is the reach of God. Maybe you find yourself here today at a place, follow me now, at a place where you have no idea how you got here. Maybe you come and you say, I have no idea, Pastor Tony, how I got to this place, this rut. How many ever got stuck with a vehicle in, in like mud and you spin your tires and mud is flicking everywhere. It's just all over the place. Messy, messy. Some of y'all just on the way here, maybe. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about when you got stuck in it, just spinning, spinning. And your life is like that. Your life right now is just spinning, just spinning, spinning. And God says, listen, hold up, stop, wait a minute. The problem with that is that everything you're around you is soft. Get a foundation under you. And you'll be able to peel out any moment. Something happens when we start realizing that God is reaching out to you because of his love. He's matchless, friend. Don't compare him to anything or anyone because there is none. Because that would by far defeat the whole purpose and definition of matchless. There's none that compare 
to the God that we're talking about today. So I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now. And I'm going to tell you in a moment, I'm going to call for a response from you. So I'm telling you ahead of time right now, I'm calling for a response today. If you've forgotten how big your God is, I just wanted to remind you in these four points. Listen, I just gave you four ideas this morning. There's so many more, but I don't have the time to give you that. But I will tell you this. I will tell you that his patient power, his forgiving power, his forgetting power, and his reaching power are all available to every single one of you today. Amen? I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray with me right where you're at. Lord Jesus, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would allow us to see your glory in this place. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you, God, that we would be a people that would be moved by the presence of a matchless God. Holy Spirit, in this place, move in power that we may see your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Here's, here's our way of responding here. Worship team is preparing here. And we are, we're going to come to a place right here, right now, where we decide who the king of our heart is. Is it going to be our problem? Is it going to be our circumstance? Because you have one throne. You have one heart. Who occupies, look at me, who occupies that throne? Who occupies that throne? And in our lives, we have a very particular way of doing things. How many are very particular in the way you do things? And if you're systematic and you're still wrestling, you're systematically wrong. If it's not lined up with the word of God. But here's the good news. That's good news. That you can systematically get in line with him today. And find your place in him. Find your love. Find your forgiveness and the power available to you. In this place. So I'm going to ask you if you can. If you're available. Stand with me all across the street. If you're available to do so, please do so.